Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Lech Lecha. With Parshas Lech Lecha, we begin Jewish history. Now, once again, I think we have every right to ask the question that's posed by Rashi on the opening Pasuk in the Torah. Rashi asks, why does the Torah begin with creation. After all, this is our constitution, and we should begin with chapter 12 in the second book, the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people as a people, namely our unique Jewish calendar. So Rashi answers, quoting the Pasuk from Tilim, Koach Ma'asov Higidli Amo, God shows himself as the creator, because this indeed, is to provide us with the deed, D-E-E deed, of Eretz Yisrael. Namely, God created the world, and He gave initially the land of Israel to certain nations, took it away from them, and gave it to us. So our claim to the land of Israel, which is so central to our being observant Jews in Israel, outside of Israel, our focus on Israel comes from creation. Now, we have to ask ourselves, why are there so many what others might call stories or narratives regarding the patriarchs, the matriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, Yosef. Why are we told all these, quote, stories in our Torah? And this week we begin with Avram Avinu. Certainly, one answer, as given by Reb Chaim Vital, is that Derech Eretz Kodmola Torah. Before we get the dose of mitzvos, beginning with the second book, chapter 12, the Torah is teaching us that you have to be a mensch. You have to be a good person in order to properly absorb and observe Torah. Derech Eretz, good character, has to come first. And therefore, you have in these stories, not Bible stories, but Bible lessons. In Parshas Lech Lecha, there is one of the three mitzvos that are found in the book of Bereshis. The second one, the first one of Pru Urvu, was found in Bereshis, according to the Chinuch. The mitzvah of Mila, circumcision, is found at the end of Parshas Lech Lecha. I'd like to share with you an interesting observation of the Be'er Yosef, Rav Yosef Salant, Seichet Tzadik Levracha. He points out that the Mishnah in the fifth chapter of Avos tells us that Avraham Avinu was tested with ten tests and he passed them all. Interestingly, here, in the Mishnah, he's referred to as Avram Avinu, and Reb Chaim in his commentary on Avos, teaches us that why Avinu? Why is he called Abraham our father? Because just as our biological father, 
gives us our DNA, so too does Avram Avinu give us our spiritual DNA. So Avram, who passed his ten tests, bequeaths to his descendants the capacity for us to pass our respective tests. Now, in looking at these ten tests, interestingly, Rashi and the Rambam differ as to what exactly these ten tests were. However, they both agree that among the ten is the fact that Avram goes to war against the four kings. Now, the Torah in chapter 14 tells us how powerful these four kings are, and Avram goes to war against them, these four kings who have defeated the five kings who were living in the land of Canaan at the time. And while certainly one could say that one of the reasons the Torah provides us with this piece, important piece of history, is a further claim that the Jewish people have to the land of Israel, our grandfather, Avraham, is the one who conquered the land. But, interestingly, both Rashi and the Rambam count as one of the ten tests the fact that Avram defeats these four kings. Now, interestingly, most of the ten tests are such that they come from without, meaning God tells Avram that he is Lech Lecha, to go and move from where he was in Haran, he was to go to the land of wherever God would show him. And so Avram is responding. He comes to the land of Canaan. There's a famine. Again, he has to respond. Sarai, his wife, is taken. He has to respond. Now, the idea of the Avraham going to war against the four kings, it would appear on the surface that Avraham is volunteering to so do. Meaning, we're told that he hears that his nephew Lot was taken captive and he is going now to rescue Lot from the four kings. Now, one could ask, as indeed the Ber Yosef does ask, what prompted Avraham to put himself in literally such sakana? mortal danger that he's bringing to his life and the 318 men that are with him. Now Rashi cites the opinion of the Gemara Nidorim 32 that there is an opinion that says that the there really were not 318 men. There was only one other person, Eliezer, because the Gematria, the numerical value of Eliezer is 318. For a moment, let's just focus on that possibility. Let's understand something. As we had in last week's parasha of Noah, the Torah tells us that the length of the ark was 300 amos, approximately 450 feet. That's rather long. One could say, wow, look at this ark. It had the capacity to house all the animals, all the food, because it was so big.
The Ramban writes, my goodness, ten arcs could not satisfy this function in a natural way. So really, it was an incredible miracle. So why does God tell him to make it so big to begin with? Lahaktin eshanes. Because God never wants to show off the miracle, just the opposite. He tries to minimize and to act in a most modest way. Here, too, let's believe that there were 318 men. The Torah tells us that this was such a powerful force, these four kings. There's no way that Avram and 318 could defeat them. And there's therefore 318 or Avram and one other can do the job. Now, the question is, what gave Avram the right to put himself in mortal danger and be it the other men was certainly Eliezer. And the Ber Yosef suggests something very, very interesting. If you go back to chapter 13, where Avraham says to his nephew Lot that it seems that Avraham could not properly influence his nephew, and there's constant argumentation between Avraham's shepherds, Lot's shepherds, Lot's shepherds were dishonest. And so Avraham says to Lot, it is time that we split. If you go to the right, I'll be to your left. You go to the left, I'll be to your right. And Rashi explains over there, what does that mean? Bechol asher teshev, wherever you go, lo es mimcha. I won't be far away, meaning... I'll be there to protect you, to help you. Well, Rashi continues over there, and in the end, Lot needed Avraham. Why does Avraham put himself in danger? He does so because he gave his word. And the word of Avraham Avinu is sacred. And therefore, in order to maintain his sense of honesty, his sense of midas ho'emes, the sense of truthfulness, he, in order to sanctify God's name, he considers that a sufficient license to put himself in mortal danger, and God responds in kind by protecting him and therefore allowing Avram to win the war against these four kings. What emerges is as follows. We say every day in our davening, in the end of Sukkot Zimra, right before Shiraz Hayam, the Choros Imo Habris, namely that Hashem established the covenant with Avraham to give him the land that was inhabited by the other nations. And we continue and we say, Vatokem es devorecha kitzadik ata. And you, God, affirmed, maintained your word, for you are righteous. Now, what does that mean? says the commentary on the Siddur, the Ion Tefillah, that God keeps his word even when Israel 
on its own merits would have been unworthy of the gift. Meaning he does it because he gave his word. Whom is Avram going to war for? His nephew Lot. And the Torah tells us about Lot. Vayisa Lot Mikedem. Lot traveled from the east. But Rashi says it's not simply a direction, but it means mikadmono shel olam. Literally, he's leaving the first power, God of the world. I don't want God. I don't want Avraham. Let me go to Sodom. And Rashi tells us, unfortunately, he's attracted to Sodom because of the immorality that's in stone. And yet... Avram gives his word. Avram will maintain his word even for somebody who on the surface is unworthy. Now this is a very important point that we learn in terms of the character. Our character is to be one of integrity. And where does that come from? It comes from our father, Avram. The Talmud in Makos 24a takes apart the 15th Psalm. And there, King David lists 11 characteristics as to God, who shall sojourn in your tent, who can dwell on your holy mountain, and the third characteristic is after Holech Tomim Ufowel Tzedek, after one who walks in perfect innocence and does what's right, the third one is speaks the truth from his heart. And the Talmud explains this to refer to the story of Rav Safra, who had his wares in front of him. The time came to recite the Shema, and that's what he was doing. A customer came and offered him a price. Rav Safra did not answer because he was reciting the Shema. The prospective customer thought that he was not answering because he was not satisfied with the offer. He kept on raising the price. And at the end of the recitation of the Shema, he said, I'm giving it to you, Dover Emes, because of the truth that's in his heart, he would have accepted the first price that was offered. And that's what he took from the man and not more. He would not take advantage. The Dafyomi this past Wednesday began the fourth chapter of Bav Metziah. And there on the opening page in Hazahav, on page 44a in Bav Metziah, we're taught of something remarkable. That if someone does not keep his word, they could be subject to a curse. The Bezdin would impose a curse called Mishapara. Namely, whoever exacted punishment from the Dor Hamabul, from the generation of the flood, from the generation of Haflaga, when God dispersed the other nations and other peoples, God who punished them, they should punish somebody who does not keep his word. Let's understand something. Speech is literally the crown of man. God breathes into Adam. 
And the Torah tells us in chapter 2 of Bereshis, Man becomes a living being when God breathes a soul into man. And the Targum, the Unculus, understands it to mean the Ruach Mamalala, a speaking being. Let us understand that the Torah says regarding your speech, Lo Yachel Devaro. Don't profane it. Rabbi Yochanan said, I wish I had two mouths, one for prayer and one for my secular speech, but God knows best, meaning that the mouth that we use for prayer is the same mouth that we're to use for our everyday speech, that we're not to sully it, we're not to dirty it, to make sure that our prayers won't be rejected because, unfortunately, we have not kept our word and our word has not been pure and holy. Avram Avinu teaches us not a Bible story in chapter 14, but a very important Bible lesson that the word of man is sacred, and may we, his descendants, ascribe and please God, be privileged to follow in his most sacred example. Shabbat Shalom to all.